several years ago, I was talking to a man uh, before church, and we were visiting in the lobby, and we were talking about um, slander, the danger of slander, and he said that um, one evening he was having conversation with his daughter, his teenage daughter, and he asked her what had been the most hurtful time in her life. And uh, she said, Daddy, she said, when a group of kids from the youth group slandered me and ruined my reputation. And so we were talking about that. And, you know, it wasn't our church that this happened in, but I was, I'm not so naive or stupid to think that slander does not happen in all churches. Slander is very destructive and it's hurtful. And um, I don't know about you, but I have been the recipient of slander and it is very injurious. In fact, someone once said, and I thought it was so good that I put it in my notes, this quote, into the space of one little hour, enough sins can be conjured up by evil tongues to blast the fame of a whole life of virtue. And someone who's living righteously and godly before God can, one person can slander them and ruin their testimony for the rest of their lives. Now, I know, as Susie just said, <clears throat> you thought you were done with the tongue when we finished chapter 3. But evidently, we're not, because we have not only this little segment tonight, but also when we get into chapter 5, James hits it just one more brief time. So evidently, um, the readers, the Jewish readers here, needed this admonition on the tongue just as well as you and I do, right? Because it is a problem, and that's why we need this, these repetitious warnings. Not only uh, are we going to look this evening of the danger of speaking evil about one another, but we're also going to look probably at a more serious sin, and that is one that no one sees, and that is the judging that comes from our heart. So there's two areas we're going to look at this evening. Now, for those of you that haven't been here, remember we started in chapter 4, and James starts describing some forms of worldliness, talks about fighting and warring and asking for things because you want to spend it on your pleasures. And so after he finishes with all this, he says, you guys are adulteresses. You are at war with God. I stand in doubt of you. And so because of that, because of their arguing and fighting and lusting after things and asking for things that are amiss, he then calls them to salvation. And we saw last week there were ten imperatives. He tells them to weep and mourn and lament over their sins and their laughters to be turned to mourning and their joy to heaviness and they're to resist the devil and they're to draw near to God. And so he is calling them to salvation. Now, as we saw in last week, verses 7 to 10, true repentance manifests itself in not only how you respond to the Lord but ladies, true repentance will also manifest itself in how you respond to others. And that's why he turns the corner here, because as we humble ourselves before God, we will humble ourselves before others and we will not slander them and we will not judge them. And the opposite is true. A prideful, haughty spirit that opposes God that same prideful, haughty spirit will slander others and will have a judgmental heart. And so that's why James addresses this attitude in verses 11 and 12. And that's the only two verses we're going to cover this evening. So if you would read them with me, James 4, 11 to 12. James says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brethren judges his brother, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. 
But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Now, there's two predominant themes that are going to emerge from these two verses. The first one is this. We're going to see the character of a judgmental spirit. And I hope none of you fall under this category. The character of a judgmental spirit in verse 11. And then secondly, we're going to see the condemnation from a just Savior. The condemnation from a just Savior in verse 12. So the character of a judgmental spirit, verse 11, and the condemnation from a just Savior, verse 12. Let's look first at the character of a judgmental spirit. Notice what James says. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Now, James doesn't tell us who the brethren are here that are speaking evil of one another. And, uh, you know, we have enough of those for us in Scripture, right? We have Yodi and Syndike in Philippians chapter 4. Their names are there. Uh, this week in your homework, you saw two more that were accused of slander, right? Miriam and Moses. And so their names are forever etched in the word of God as slanderers. And Yodi and Syndike weren't getting along. And so it's the grace of God that James doesn't tell us who these brethren are. I think it would be, I was thinking today, you know, I, it would be awful to have your name. Susan Heck, you know, she and Tammy Roberts were slandering with one another or slandering about the pastor's something, you know, the clothes he was wearing. And, you know, you think about how many Christians there has been and still will be that read your name forever in the word of God. So uh, thankfully, James doesn't tell us who these brethren are. But he says, do not speak evil of each other. Now, what does speak evil mean? In the original language, it means to talk down or talk against another so to talk another down or talk against another this involves slander speaking harshly in fact it's interesting because it kind of refers back to the beginning of the chapter fighting can you just see it fighting and warring and lusting i mean that kind of goes along with the slander now usually the verb slander will refer to talking about someone when they're not there to defend themselves. That's what we do, right? Slander is saying behind someone's back what you wouldn't say to their face, and flattery is saying someone's face what you wouldn't say behind their back. That's the way I like to remember it. Now, in the later Greek usage, the word seems to have also an additional significance of speaking behind someone's back in a derogatory manner. So it's just mean and it's harsh. This would include not only someone's actions, their motives, uh, their manner of living, just anything. It also has the connotation of backbiting, fault-finding, and harsh criticism. Now, ladies, as we saw in the last chapter, where humility is lacking, the door is what wide open for evil, evil talk and slander. Now, what is the opposite of humility? Anybody tell me? What's the opposite of humility? Pride. Do you know pride is why we speak evil of each other? That's why we slander each other. Now, I want to say this and love to you this evening. If you are in the habit of judging others and slandering others and criticizing others, it's probably for this reason alone. Pride. 
you feel like, what, I'm better than them or I have a better way. Because backbiting is just really a form of self-exaltation. And ladies, that's totally opposite of what Christ said in John 13. In John 13, Jesus said, this is how men will know you are my disciples if you what? Slander each other? No, love one another. This is how they'll know that you're my disciples. Because of the love that you have for one another. Slandering others, speaking evil of others is a very serious sin. In fact, a few weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 50. We're not going to turn there again. But remember, the psalmist is contrasting true religion and false religion. And he does this by their speech. And he goes on to say, he says, those that slander, I will tear them in pieces. That's pretty scary. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. In Colossians 3, where Paul has that chapter, you know, he has all the put-ons and put-offs. He says, put off anger, wrath, malice, evil speaking, filthy communication out of your mouth. So ladies, we are to put that off. That is the sign that we are genuine in the faith when we are putting away our slander. James goes on to say, he who speaks evil of his brother judges his brother. So in addition to speaking evil, James now exposes another unacceptable behavior for a believer, and that is to judge a brother. Now, what does this mean? To judge someone entails that you are judging what is going on in their heart and in their mind. This judging would be harsh and would include judging their motive and their conduct. Now, ladies, we don't verbalize it a lot, but we are constantly judging, aren't we? We may not say it with our mouth, but it's going on all the time in our heart, isn't it? We constantly size people up. And we judge them. Wouldn't it be awful if right now I could read every one of your minds and know what you're thinking about me? You know? Know what you're really thinking? Or when someone walked in the door this evening? Wouldn't it be terrible if we could read one another's minds? That's where the judging goes on. And ladies, it really doesn't matter if I can read your mind. God reads it, right? And we're going to be judged even for our thoughts when we stand before God. Now let me give you some illustrations of how we might judge someone based on their outward appearance. For example, remember in James chapter 2, we talked about the rich and the poor. For example, maybe you see a poor person. Maybe they come to your church. Maybe they're in your kid's school. Maybe they're in your co-op. And you immediately think, lazy, poor manager of money, right? Wouldn't it be better to go to find out if there is a reason that they are poor and maybe seek a biblical solution to try to help them? Or maybe when you see a rich person, do you automatically think, ah, dishonest and snobby. They have money, so they're dishonest and they're snobby. Ladies, instead of judging others by their wealth, why not do this? Thank God that he's chosen to bless them with money and encourage them to give generously back to the Lord and to help others, those that are in need. Here's one. I'm guilty of this sometimes. You see someone that has a sour look on their face, you'd automatically presume, ah, they're an unbeliever. They don't have the joy of the Lord. Why not? And I just had this happen actually this week, and I got to go do this. Why not go talk to them 
Ask them if anything is going on. Is something troubling you? And pray for them. Here's another one I'm struggling with lately. I was telling Pam at lunch today. When politicians come to mind, do you automatically equate them with dishonesty? It's hard, isn't it? I'm really struggling with this. I mean, I don't even like to watch the news anymore because there's nothing honest going on. Instead, why not do this? Give honor. That's hard, isn't it? Paul commands us in Romans 13, 14 to give honor to him because they're God's ministers to us for good. Ladies, that's hard. Pray for them. You know, we're commanded to pray for our leaders. And I confess I'm failing in this. Here's another one. Someone forgets your birthday or forgets you at Christmas time. Do you automatically judge and say, you know, I guess they, I guess they just don't like me anymore. They just don't care for me. Don't laugh. Alicia, I thought she forgot my birthday this year, and she didn't. <laughs> Maybe they really just forgot, you know. Maybe... You know, like me, when I put all my birthdays from one planet to the next, maybe I just missed, you know, a week or something. Or maybe they have Alzheimer's or they're getting old or, you know, whatever. But we need to lo- overlook these things. We need to get our focus because where is it? It's on us, isn't it? We need to take our hurt to the Lord in prayer. Ladies, just think how terrible it would be if God specialized in speaking evil of us and condemning our faults as we do of others. None of us would be able to stand, would we? You might say, well, why is it so bad to speak evil of others and judge others? Notice what James says. If you speak evil of your brother and judge your brother, you are speaking evil of the law and judging the law. Do you know by judging and speaking evil, you're setting yourself up as a judge? The judge of the law. In fact, the word for law here means the law governing the Christian life. It's that perfect law of liberty that we already looked at in James 1.25. It's the royal law of liberty to love our neighbor as ourself that we've already studied. You know what James is saying? It's impossible for you to claim that you love your neighbor as yourself and then turn around and speak maliciously behind her back. Impossible. Ladies, the Lord clearly states that we are not to slander our brother or hate our brother in our heart. Let me remind you of a passage. Don't turn there. Leviticus nineteen sixteen to 18. Listen to this. You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people. You shall not take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear a grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Ladies, the Lord is clearly forbidding us to hate our brothers in our heart, to judge our brothers in our heart, to slander. Ladies, I want to encourage you, and this is not something that's taught very much. If a brother or a sister has sinned against you and you're struggling, you need to go to them and you need to go privately and tell them this. But you don't take the opportunity to slander behind their back. And I think that's what people do. Instead of doing what's right, you know, taking the the godly, the righteous approach, go to the person and say, hey, what's going on? We just take the opportunity to talk about them behind their back. Jesus set the principle also in Matthew 18, moreover, if your brother sins against you, what? You go and you tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you've won your brother. If not, then you take two or three more. 
And if they don't hear, then you tell it to the church. If they don't hear the church, then what? You excommunicate them from the church. Someone says, clearly it is easier to whisper your displeasure in someone else's ear rather than directly confront someone about their sin. That's the easier thing to do. The harder thing to do, go and say, hey, you've offended me or I'm having a struggle here. So James is saying, when you violate the royal law of loving your brother, this law of moral obligation that God has written in your heart, you know what you're doing? You're criticizing the law. You're saying, you know, God, I don't like this law. It's not good. and It should be abolished. That's what he said. That's what we're saying. By criticizing the law, you're breaking the whole law again, James says. Remember, he already said whoever keeps the whole law and yet offends in one point. What? He's guilty of breaking the whole law. And now he's saying by speaking evil of the law and judging the law, you say, I'm above the law. I don't like this law, God. I'm above it. I think my opinion's better than yours, God. Notice what he says in verse 11. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge right? So you're no longer acting as one who's obligated to obey, but you're usurping the office of the judge whose function it is to determine a man's actions. I don't like this law. I want to be the judge of the law. James says, if you speak evil of others, you're not a doer of the law. You're a judge. You're a judge. And ladies, James, again, is clearly making distinctions between a spurious believer, and a genuine believer. Let me say to you this evening in love, if slander and judging others marks your life, then James says your faith is suspect because you've set yourself up as a judge of the law. Now, I do want to say something else too. This does not mean that you as a Christian should not exercise discernment It doesn't mean you shouldn't have wisdom. It does not mean that you should not form opinions. Debbie and I were talking about that this weekend in a certain situation that happened to her. But, ladies, it does mean this. You should not be a gossip or have a critical spirit. James is not saying you can't make moral judgments based on conduct, right? Jesus says to judge righteous judgment. By their fruit you'll know them. So we have to do that. In fact, you're going to, we're going to look a little bit in the homework at Matthew chapter 7. And, you know, a lot of people take that verse and they just look at verse 1 and they go, See, you're not supposed to judge. It says, Judge not, at least you be judged. And if you judge, you know, you're going to be in big trouble with God. And I'm like, well, look at the rest of the context. What's he talking about? First he says, get the what? The big old log out of your eye. In other words, clean up the act in your life before you go and try to help your brother or your sister with the little speck in their eye. Jesus doesn't say we shouldn't judge righteous judgment. But ladies, what is forbidden is the judging of the motives of someone's heart. For example, Matthew 7.15 says we're to beware of false prophets. Now, how can you beware of a false teacher or a false prophet if you don't judge them, right? You've got to judge what they're saying. You've got to measure it to make sure it's true. That's in accordance with God's word. In fact, 1 John 4, John gives us a test on how we can know false teachers. You have to judge, right? You have to know what they're teaching. You have to know if it's true, whether it's false. We also saw in our homework where to judge adultery, murder, lying, stealing. And if anyone's engaging this kind of behavior, what does Paul say? Put them out of the church. Put them out of the church. That's not what James is forbidding here. Let me make it very clear. What James is forbidding is a critical spirit judging the motives of other people and the attitude that seeks to run them down. 
Ladies, James is prohibiting a judgmental spirit. Why? That authority belongs to God, not to you. You don't know the intents of someone's heart. You don't know that. I remember several years ago, one of the churches Doug was pastoring, and um, I remember there was a young lady, and I was really concerned about her walk with the Lord, and I had already judged her completely in my mind. I thought, well, she, she can't be spiritual. You know, she can't be walking with the Lord. And I was making all these judgments in my heart and my mind. And I'll never forget, one Sunday night, they asked if they could have some time with Doug and I after church. They wanted to talk with us. And so we said, of course. And we sat down and talked with this couple. And she began to pour out her story and what was going on in their life. And I that was the first time that the Lord, I mean, I was overcome with my sin, not her sin, my sin, for judging this one without ever seeking to go and ask her, is there any reason why you do the things that you do or you, you know, these things are going on in your life? And that was the first time that this verse really came to my mind that I had made all these assumptions without ever going to her and talking to her. Ladies, that is what James is forbidding because that right of judgment belongs to who? God and God alone. So what's the character, character of a judgmental spirit? Here it is. They speak evil of others, they judge others, and they thus show they are not a doer of the law. Ladies, judging belongs to God and God alone because it's God and God alone who can save and who can destroy. And so we turn from the character of a judgmental spirit to the condemnation from a just Savior in verse 12. Notice what James says. There is one lawgiver, and ladies, it's not you, I'm sorry, and it's not me either. Sometimes we wish it is, right? There's one lawgiver, and it's God. What are we trying to be? God? You know, when we set ourselves up as a judge of others, you know what we're trying to do? God, get off the throne, would you? I think I have a, I can judge better than you. I can establish my own law. Move over. Let me take reign on your throne. Ladies, there are two characteristics James gives of this lawgiver. Notice what he says. He is able to save and he's able to destroy. Ladies, what does a save here mean? It involves a complete act at a certain time to rescue from danger, from destruction, to save someone from perishing. Man can never come to God in his own strength. If he is left to himself, he'll perish, right? But we know God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And ladies, it is only God and God alone that can save, right? That's what James says. There's one lawgiver, and he's able to save. Do you have the power to save someone? Have any of you in here ever saved someone from hell? Don't raise your hand. No, there's one lawgiver, and he can save. He not only can save, but James says, notice what else he can do. He can destroy This word means to destroy utterly and completely. It's a one-time act with all finality. Ladies, if you reject the offer of grace, you know what happens? It brings final execution of the sentence of your sin, which is death, eternal separation from God. It's final. It's irrevocable. Right? Once you're there, you're there. Jesus says, don't fear those who kill the body, but, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Ladies, there's one lawgiver. He can save and he can destroy. Can you save? 
No. Can I save? No. Can I destroy? Can I send someone to hell? No. Can you? No. God can. So James wraps up his thoughts on judging others by saying this. Notice what he says. Who are you to judge another? In fact, the emphasis in the Greek is on the you. And you? Who do you think you are to place yourself above God? Who are you anyway? Are you able to destroy both body and soul in hell? Do you think you're without flaw? Are you the holy standard? Can you save a soul from hell? Paul says in Romans 2, 1, You are inexcusable, old man, whoever you are who judge. For wherever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. You heard that before? You who say thou shalt not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who say thou shalt not steal, do you steal? I like what Albert Barnes says. Who art you, a weak and frail and erring mortal, yourself accountable to that judge that you should interfere and pronounce judgment on another, especially when he's only doing what that judge permits him to do? You know, I think too many Christians are trying to help God in the capacity of lawgiver, right? They're like the man who told his pastor, he said, you know, pastor, he said, um, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be of any good use to the world because I just have one talent. And the pastor said, well, that shouldn't discourage you. He said, "Uh, what's your talent, young man? And he said, well, my talent is the talent of judging others and criticizing others. The pastor turned around. He said, well, I advise you to do with it what the what the man of the one talent did with his. Bury it. (laughs) Now, ladies, can you just imagine right now? I mean, I don't know about you, but I sense the tone that James is a little disgusted with them. And I'm sure God's a little disgusted with some of us this evening. You know, some of us, we, well, not some of us, few of us, maybe two of us, three of us, look flawless, you know, from a distance. You ever met someone, you think, man, I'd really like to get to know her, you know, they just, that person, you know, we're going to be the best of friends. And so you start getting to know them and you're like, wow, you know, they have some flaws here and there. I don't know about this. Ladies, if you want intimate friendships, if you want people that will feel your heartbeats and whose heartbeats you can feel, you must take them with their faults and you must love them. And when there are sin issues in each other's life, you must make corrections in love. But it's not our job to judge others' motives and intents of their heart. You know, part of loving someone is rebuking them, isn't it? It's not easy to do, but that's genuine love, and we should not shy away from that. So what's the condemnation from the just Savior? Who are you, he says. I save, I destroy, I am the lawgiver. Now, ladies, maybe this evening as we close, you're convicted of this terrible sin of slander or maybe judging. Maybe you don't slander so much, but maybe you judge in your heart. And you might say, well, you know, what do I need to do? I know I needed to make some adjustments in my life. Well, of course, you need to repent, but you need to get to the root of the problem. In my humble opinion, I think there are three reasons that we speak evil of one another and we judge one another. And I want to close by giving these to you. The first reason I think that we speak evil of each other and we judge each other's motives is because of revenge. For example, you get hurt, right? Your husband hurts your feelings. I doesn't like the dinner you cooked, or your boss says something at work, 
or your best friend does something to you and your feelings get hurt. And so we want to do what? Retaliate. Retaliate. So we speak evil and we judge. And yet Matthew 5.44 tells us something different. This is hard. Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. That's hard, isn't it, when someone hurts you? In fact, Paul tells us vengeance is his. He'll repay. The second reason, I think, that we slander and we judge is because of pride and self-righteousness. Pride and self-righteousness. You know, we think we're spiritual, right? And we want others to know how spiritual we really are, so we run everyone else down in the process. And then it makes us look what? Wow, she's just like a really spiritual giant. Remember what James said last week? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. And the third reason, especially for us as women, that I think we are guilty of this horrible sin is too much idle talk. Too much idle talk. I think often we get with one another and we speak evil because we talk too much. Proverbs 10:19 says in the multitude of words transgression is unavoidable. Right? Just think what would happen if we used all that empty time to build each other up or pray together. When you're with other people, do you try to raise the level of conversation from mundane things, you know, like weather, sports, so oh, that's a cute dress you're wearing or, you know, your house or whatever to the eternal to heaven? Answers to prayer. I like that verse in Malachi 3.16 that says this. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them and there was a book of remembrance for those who talked about the Lord. Do you know right now there's a book of remembrance in heaven for those of us that get together and we talk about the Lord and meditate on his name? That's going to be fun to see that book, I hope. You know, when we're together as ladies especially, we need to be iron, sharpening iron. We shouldn't be busy bodies wandering from house to house talking about things we shouldn't talk about. I want to encourage you, when you're with others and you feel like the conversation, and I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to talk about, you know, so-and-so color of their hair. Oh, I like your outfit. That's a cute skirt. Or how are your kids doing? Or those things are necessary. And we should be talking about those things. But if that's all you talk about, the temptation is going to be to get into idle chatter. You know, when you're with people, elevate the conversation. Say, hey, how's your walk with the Lord? Or, you know, what was your, did you have any spiritual struggles this week? Or how could I be praying for you? Or, um, you know, what's God teaching you in his word? Or what did you read today in the scriptures? Or think of ways to elevate the conversation to things of eternity. Or just say, hey, you want to pray together? Let's just pray right now. Well, I'm sure that's enough conviction for tonight. I'm sure each of you would agree with me that speaking against our brothers and our sisters in Christ is a very serious sin, right? And according to these just two little verses that we've covered this evening, it's the worst of all sins for two reasons. Number one, we exalt ourselves above the law. And secondly, we exalt ourselves above God. So we exalt ourselves above the law 
and we exalt ourselves above God. Ladies, it's really my prayer. I want God to help you and me both to the, be women that judge with righteous judgment. I think we need discernment, especially we as women. We're more easily deceived. And I would pray that we would know how to judge righteous judgment, but I pray that we would not judge the motives and intents of one another's hearts. So let's pray together, and then we'll have a little about 10-minute break, and then we'll uh, come back and discuss the homework, okay? Father, thank you for this time. It's been brief in your word, but it's been needed. I pray that you would forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for speaking evil of others. Forgive us for judging others in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be women who are not revengeful, women who are not prideful. Pray that you would help us to be women who elevate conversations to things of eternity and things that matter. And certainly, Lord, in these days when things are just seems like Every day is faster and faster. Things are going downhill in our nation, in our world. Certainly, Lord, we have opportunities as women to put away such wicked, evil speech and focus on um, encouraging brothers and sisters in Christ who are perhaps without work or suffering in a financial way or, Lord, just hurting in other ways. And then also to use our mouths for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost. So, God, give us the grace to be women whose... um, hearts are pure so that our mouths would be pure. And I pray this for Christ's sake. Amen.